0: everybody welcome back to the ones ready podcast you are in the team room and we've got aaron with us and we also have command chief tom shaver so i'm a, tom i we're chiefs whatever you're in the team room we don't typically use rank unless they're trying to um well unless it's simsaf or unless it's somebody else that you know can just destroy me uh on active <laughs> duty so i don't think you can destroy me um, I cannot. You got to kill. You got to kill my name first, and then you can kill me. <laughs> but um, welcome to the podcast. You're in the team room. Um, please tell us a little bit about yourself because you have um, quite an awesome upbringing. I mean, you're a beat by trade, but I don't want to. I don't want to ruin it. So go right into it, Tom. Give us a little bit about your background.
1: Uh sure. Um, so I was born in 1975. Now, um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, <laughs> Um, I come from, I'm not a military brat. A lot of, a lot of people, um, mention that they, you know, grew up with the military, but I do have a, a family heritage of military service. Um, my father, my father was in World War II with the 101st. His, his first action was Operation Market Garden. I had an uncle who was a B-26 bomber pilot in World War II in Korea i um, retired as a colonel in the Air Force and happy 75th birthday because he was he, he transitioned when the Air Force started. Um, my nephew's the Marine Corps, my stepson's in the Navy. My wife is a chief mass active duty chief master sergeant. Um, so that kind of propelled me is really my path in life to go in the military. Tack P by trade, as Peaches said, um, did that my whole career. And actually leads me to a kind of a funny thing. Being a command chief in the Air Force, you would expect I'd have a little bit more Air Force base experience. But really, I've only been stationed on two Air Force bases, Kunsan and um, Nellis. Nellis a few times, but um, I had to learn steep power curve for learning the true day-to-day functions of a large Air Force base when I... When I first got the job as the uh, operations group superintendent on Nellis back in the day. Um, So, yeah, I'm the 57th wing command chief. My boss is Brigadier General Goodman, an amazing human being. Um, (laughs) Team Nellis is just an amazing place to work. But that's what that's what brought me to this point right here with you guys. No, That's awesome.
2: Well, That's fantastic. I love that as a chief, you know, the two assignments where you really had to get your feet underneath you and figure out what was going on were, were as a chief in the air force. Like that's, that's great for you to, it must've been a, it must've been a wild thing to have like finance troops look at you as an E9 walking into their room and you're like, sorry, I've I've never had to do this before. How do I file this piece of paper with the air force? And they just kind of, like you know, like shake your head. That's
1: exactly correct. Like, here's one of the weird things. Um, I was already a stripe wearing chief for about a year when my wife, you know, I, I met her. Um, and this was before we were married obviously i just met her and she invited me to go to her to a chief recognition ceremony happening at her base that she was invited to speak at and i'm like oh what's a chief recognition ceremony <laughs> And then she's like what what do you mean what is you had one i go no i didn't i don't know what that is because they you know that's a normal thing on an air force base but i never heard of it or experienced it so um yeah being being on army post my whole career it was i learned a lot of army stuff i picked up a lot of Army heritage but i i it was actually very uh um, you know very noticeable to me throughout my career like i always felt disjointed if you will from the from the air force like i was like what's going on over there on the other side of the fence is what I was always thinking
0: mm-hmm. yeah they are lazy they are chair force
1: <laughs> right <now. laughs> You hey, know, these, these for all, guys are you, something. I don't. I don't like you these guys, guys have, either. I'm sure you guys have experienced this, but yeah, you you hear that when you're on our side and you see all the memes and everything on Air Force and everything. But I cannot count living on army posts. It's probably in the multiple. No kidding, in the multiple hundreds, how many army people came up to me and said, "I tried to join the Air Force, but I couldn't." Like that mm-hmm. is a common thread. Preach.
0: Sandal that was it. But I mean, that'd be, that'd be pretty funny <laughs> to get the numbers on that, actually. <laughs> yeah, I know.
2: I know. <laughs> so Kraken, you know, we, we see problems and we fix problems, right? Like inside of the Aspect War community, we're really bad. Like we don't have committees to talk about problems. And then at the end of those meetings, like we don't walk out like doing something. Usually our meetings end with a decision, a table slap, and let's go get this thing. You know, if I see work, I do work. We say that all the time. So you have had the luxury of growing up, you know, in that joint environment, we preach joint, 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 everything. Well, you, you grew up in it. You know, you are Bane in Batman right now. Everybody else was just molded, uh, you know, just uh, adapted to the darkness. You you were molded by, you know, living with the army and being in that joint environment. And now here you are as the the command chief out of the 57th wing, but you're still attack P at heart. So what problems are you getting after right now? What are some initiatives that you're pushing at the 57th? Because you're like, I see this work. I want to do this work.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. One of the things, one of the things I'm pushing is, as you mentioned, aspect where we, you know, we have a culture of getting after it. And I think what makes that easy for us to do, because we're, I think you'd all agree, we're satisfied with, hey, it's better to, it's better to go do than have inaction, right? And we'd rather get to 80% by going and doing now. And then maybe we've got to take a couple steps to fix something we did because then we weren't necessarily speeding, but we were, We were getting after it with the amount of information that we had at the time. And maybe Big Blue tends to take it a little bit slower. And sometimes that that just um, doesn't appeal to people like us as well as it it doesn't get after the problems quick enough for most people. But I'm trying, I think one of the advantages in the Aspect War community that lends itself to that kind of behavior is that we have naturally a very connected atmosphere. We're on small teams for the most part um the way our mission type orders and the way we operate in our battle rhythm is is in in team forms and very intimate and very um and a very get after it kind of mindset where in the big blue air force has been starting to kind of bite people in the butt is we're not as connected we're in larger formations but you add in the things with different different generational culture covid of high battle ops rhythm that keeps people disjointed and and what we're noticing is that this decrease in connectedness or or this um where where human beings are engaging in transactional moments rather than what i would call connected moments so most of the interactions over the past 10 years after you know just rolling out on deployment, coming back, reconstituting back and forth. It's, it's strictly you, you're here to do this job, do this job and let, and then go home. Whether, as opposed to maybe when we all came in, especially when I came in as a mare, airman, where, man, I, I, I had an NCO that was raising me. I'll be honest with you. I had an NCO that was raising. Me. Oh, yeah. we, I, we were connected on yep. a daily basis and um, we're trying to get back to that. So some of my initiatives are, to to build that connection in, in between the small teams at the unit level. You got to, I learned something, I learned something on this journey of trying to help people, help units build connections. Is you can't do, you can't approach it from, hey, the 57th wing, let's all be intimate and build a connection. It's not going to work. It's too big. It's got to happen at the grassroots level. It's got to be at the team, the team level. Um, we can, I draw on those lessons from the Aspect War upbringing about building those connections. So that's, one of the big initiatives, trying, trying to reestablish that intimate, for lack of a better term, family type atmosphere that you had in your sections/slash teams uh, back in back in the day, or you know, even even flights, depending on how big your unit is. Oh yeah. Um,
2: yeah. To, to help I actually, that. you I had mean, so. Yeah, you hit so many good things that I want. I want to explore, and I love using this term because it's so. De- I want to unpack some things uh, that you said inside of here. Really, un- really unpack them, Chief. Um, you know, the first okay. thing you said there, and I, I love it, is you talked about mission type orders. And you, I'm not going to put you on the spot by asking for the doctrinal definition because I don't think I could give it to myself. But I tell this to, to my folks: is these are this is you know the difference between what and how. I tell people all the time: you know, mission type orders are what. This is what I want you to go do. Go take that hill, right? right. I don't. You don't need to tell me how. You need to understand my guidance and intent clearly. You need to understand the commander's guidance and intent clearly. And then you just go execute. It's that decentralized control. But when you get big, like you're saying, when you get really, really big, you kind of forget the flight is the action arm. That is the direct action arm of the United States Air Force at the lowest level. The squadron and the flight are the places where you have the most control because it's not so big. Even 200 people is still really big. So. And, and, uh, the other thing that I'm gonna kinda like, I wanna prime here is just because you have access now, like we have access to everybody all the time. I got four apps, you know, we were just talking about it before you got on. You got two phones and 40 apps and 10 email accounts mm-hmm. that anybody anytime can reach out, but that doesn't make you connected. That makes somebody have access to you. So what are Correct. some things that you're doing? Like we, we have this, we know that the small unit, that small team, when, when you're, when your flight, when that flight room door closes and you know, you're doing good things, man, it feels like the whole unit is falling into place. And then the whole world is starting to fall into place. Right. It feels right when that happens. Right. So if we know that we have access, but not necessarily connectedness, and we know that those small teams are effective, how do you make a big organization feel like a small organization?
1: Okay. Great question. So you're, you're on point. Um, I have, I have some ways to get for people to have access to me and for me to try to encourage connectedness, but really you only get it if people take you up on the offer. And those are things like I have an Instagram for, for the 57th wing chief. I have a Facebook where I, I throw out, you know, kudos to an airman that i met or something happened or informational stuff i i was posting stuff while i was at afa so we can keep the information flowing and then as well as like um you know sometimes i throw down opinion motivational type of stuff on there um we we may mention later. I'm I'm going to start up a podcast myself for the 57th Wing Chief as another attempt. But again, ooh. those are ooh, that's yeah. a teaser, Chief. That's what that is. Yeah, We're just going to wait. Everybody, just <laughs> hold on. Teaser. Everybody, everyone, just hold on for that on big that. announcement. <laughs>
2: that's what we call it in the biz, cracking. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just throw out a little teaser there, just a taste. A Little um,
2: teaser. Something. To, something to wet so, your beak a little bit.
1: so uh those are just like you said access but what i'm one of the things i'm really doing to try to get to the connective piece and i and you gotta what i learned is as a leader i try to approach my leadership role like i approach my my father role my parent role in my in my family um i don't sit around and wait for my son to connect with me I go to him. I I say let's go to the park and do this. Let's go do this. I go to him. And he comes to me sometimes on his own, but you know, I go to him. Same with my 12-year-old stepson. I, the older they get the more you have to force it. Um
2: oh, and yeah. I kind of approach the, yeah, got- the leadership
1: style like that. They 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 don't have the time to come find me. And it's easy to it's easy to get burdened down with you know what you got to do behind the computer or go to this meeting or go to this tdy for these the leadership stuff but what i've been doing is i'll get in my i have a little golf cart and i ride that out uh to the flight line a lot me um in our in our wing then
0: oh no
2: oh, did he hit we're just gonna you know what we're gonna keep going like nothing's wrong this is totally fine <laughs> peaches this is totally fine. Things are fine. This is things t- are fine. This is totally fine. Cuz you know what I would do normally? Like if something bad happened on a mission like this, I would take a knee, I'd face out, and I'd hydrate and I'd pull some security.
0: What would you hydrate with?
2: I'd hydrate with hoist obviously cuz they make the little packets that go right into whatever it is that I'm drinking, typically some clean, clear fresh water, no big deal. I'm a bit of a water snob. But if I put that if I put that little drink of hoist, that little bad boy, I love the premix. They, uh, they came out with the, the, uh, blue raspberry, which is my, n- my new favorite premix. I think is fire, fire, but, uh, the little packets are the, my, my fantastic, uh, my fantastic go-to the fruit punch. Absolute favorite, absolute favorite pack. It's, it's Ivy level hydration peaches. It's approved by the DOD. <laughs>
0: yeah. And I mean, you know, they're partnering with all kinds of folks. I, I won't Dude. spill the beans on who they're about to partner with because it's, it's a big deal,
1: but it's a big
2: c- just deal. Just because
0: I don't want to, I don't. Last thing I want is to get rolled in on by some kind of legal team or mess that up. Can you imagine if mm-hmm. if I'm the person that messed that up because I happen to bring it up? But I'm just <laughs> saying, you
2: just, you're just trying to do the right thing.
0: Yeah, I'll just try to, I'll just try to be a good bro and you know help them out. <laughs> and, you just and then I just torpedoed their freaking.
2: Dollars.
0: Yep, just torpedoed <laughs> a their freaking million dollar thing. Oh, but a uh, yeah,
2: sports agency. Yeah, <laughs> yeah tight, tight, tight. tight. <laughs> Tight, tight, tight sorry guys hey we really like your product uh i will continue to buy from you every single month yeah. because i always do but uh also sorry about that deal anyway go to go to drinkhoist.com and check it out and maybe use the code ones ready at checkout get yourself a sweet deal the premixes are amazing you can find them in shopets and send a picture in they always love when you tag them and they, you find a new spot where hoist has popped up so make sure to tag uh at drinkhoist on ig and then again go to drinkhoist.com check out whatever it is that you want to do. Again, I love the powders. I love those little packets. That I can just throw in my kit and in my pocket anywhere. And, and then I have hoist on the road, uh, but the premix is fire, fire too. So go check them out either at uh, drink hoist.com at your local convenience store or grocery store. And then use one, code ones ready at checkout only online. If you just like are checking out and you look at the person checking you out and you're like, one's ready. They're not going to give you a discount at the store. It's only got to make sure thing. you
0: just, like, you do it like, like they do an A though so. one's ready.
2: One's ready. You know yeah, that? exactly. That's what you. Yeah. yeah. One's ready. But actually, you know what? Let's start a trend. The first person that sends me a video <laughs> of them trying to get the discount code by saying "one's ready" at the checkout of a grocery store, I will buy you a six month <laughs> subscription. Uh, I will personally do it. <laughs> I will get you a case, a month <laughs> for six months. I will figure out how to make this happen. If it's you try be to solid, get in And if you somehow get a discount code, now I'm not talking about your card, right? Like if you already have a card at the place, that doesn't count. If she gives you some sort of like extra, like 10% off of that, you're in. I got it. And it's it's gotta be solid. You gotta sound off.
0: I mean, it's (laughs) full extension.
2: Was there any price matching on the discount. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a good talk with chief. You know, I hope he's not, I hope he's okay. You guys obviously didn't take a tactical nuke out there because you're still there. Yeah. Um,
0: I don't know. So it could be two things, I guess. Maybe, maybe like a phone call overrided. Mm-hmm. Oh no. His phone, he just hit me up. His phone overheated. I mean, it's Vegas oh, you hate to it see he is it. outside.
2: It is Vegas. It is Vegas, but, uh, <clears throat> we can, we can spend the time right now talking about that span of control and and uh span of influencing the chief is talking about. That's a, that's a tough thing for any leader. And you know, the ANS candidates are thrown right into that right away, right? So span, span of control goes like this, uh, span of influence, span of control. They figured out that about 12 people, by the way, there's a bunch of studies that looked about 12 people is about as many people as you can actually influence, right? You can control a lot more. You can control up to 200 people, you know, 150 to 200 people is what they found. So why are squadrons 200 people, 150, to 200 people? Because that's about as many, that's about as much as a human with an appropriate staff can actually like control and point in one direction. But inside of that organization, you can really only influence six to 12 people, right? You can really only leave your mark on six to 12 people. So if you think about the way that we task organize flights and sections, they're really in between, you know, those, those small platoons, really nine to 16 people is what a platoon is. So when you start talking about flights that are, you know, 25, 30 people big, that's just about right for a command team and then subordinate senior NCOs in there. And it becomes a challenge. The, the, the higher up you get, uh, you have to figure out who it is you can influence that also has influence over their areas that you can actually like, make things as clean as possible. It's a, real, it's a challenge that we fight every day and lose every day. Um, <laughs> I don't know what kind of experience you have with it, but I, it's, it's tough. It's tough cool. as organizations get bigger.
0: Yeah. And I'm I'm sure there's science behind it. Uh, I would almost like, at least from my point of view, I, I think those numbers are, are accurate and they make sense, but I I think it's part of it is just strictly based on time, like the amount of time that, that it takes to, you know, engage with all these people. And I'm not talking about staff meetings. I mean, yeah, there's some, there bear with me. There can be some good stuff that comes out of staff meetings, right? Um, Mm -hmm but I think they've got to be few and far between uh, and they've got to be regular and all that kind of stuff. But like, it's about time. So at the weapon school, we've got nine different locations. You know, we've got our locations on Nellis, but then we have, you know, tons of units on Nellis. And then, you know, we've got, we've got people in Spokane, JBLM, mm-hmm. uh, Whiteman, Barksdale, you know, uh, Dias all over. Right. And it takes time to get, book a flight or not just book a flight, but um, what I mean, it takes time to book out, Hey, we need at least three days because I got to fly out there. I got to engage and then I got to come back, you know? So cracking Command chief, welcome back. We're just talking about the, uh, the span of control and then the, the kind of span of control and span of influence of numbers and how being able to do that on a, on a flight level or a squadron level, how that kind of would then translate to kind of your, Position as a command chief of the 57th Wing, right. and I, I don't know how many no, how many people the wing has. I want to say it's like 3,500 or something like that.
1: It has 3,700 active duty, but when you tie in like all the total force, it, it starts reaching about five thousand.
0: Five thousand people.
1: Yeah, Jeez, that is huge, and that's and that's spread across. Of course, you know all the GSEs with the weapons school, and then the other. There's a few other GSEs on top of that. With so it kind of spans the entire country
0: yeah because we were talking about how or at least from my point of view like i'm sure there's math involved or not math um science involved and like how many people you can influence and that kind of stuff but um for for a lot of us at least in a in a command team role it is time like i just don't have enough time because i've got to take care of everyday stuff i got to take care of the people that are you know um, immediate you know that ping ping you in the office, you know, doing the drive-bys, but then also like there's only so many hours in the day, you know, and, and every, and you're doing your best to try and take care of everybody, but sometimes it's just impossible.
1: Maybe. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if it's, in, I don't know if it's impossible as much as it is challenging. And I think it all depends on what your perspective of taking care of people is because, I rely heavily on a team of trusted, what I call trusted agents. So all these group superintendents, SELs such as yourself, peaches, are, are, you know, doing the same thing within their groups and their squadrons on down. And I trust that when I'm, when I'm reaching out individually to different sections and units to help out when there's, that they'll, and I repeatedly, it's probably more important actually that I connect as often as possible with group SELs, squadron SELs, and all those trusted agents because they're the ones that bring me the problems that I can fix. And you mentioned time. One of the things, one of the traps leaders with a lot of people behind them get into is trying to fix everything that comes across their desk. And really you should only be doing the things that only you can do. So, if it's something that only Chief Schaefer can do, then, you know, that's what I should be putting my time in. If it's something that that comes to me, you know, someone comes to me with something, but Peaches is the one who can fix it, Peaches has all the, has the best knowledge, then it's Peaches who should be doing it and not me, because that's, otherwise, I'm wasting my time.
2: How hard has that oh, been fine. for you, though? You know, knowing who we are, right? Like, knowing, man, yeah. I, I hear your words, Chief. And I also, I would have to assume that you see problems that yeah somebody else could fix, but it's in front of you, so you see work and you do work. Because I know, like yeah. I do the same thing. I'm like, hey, this probably isn't a me problem, and I say that at work, you know, often. Like, hey, this is I'm, I'm the ops suit currently, so a lot of times I'll say, hey, this is probably not a 3s problem to fix. This is probably the right. flight's problem to fix. How do you how do you bridge that gap of not doing too much? Because we hear it from you know our you know A and S candidates all the time. How do I show leadership without doing too much? What's that fine line between being a spotlight ranger and doing it so that people see me. And, you know, this is really just part of my personality. Like with me, I don't necessarily care if I get recognized. I, it's not a thing that I require, you know, for my person. I'd rather just do a job and then move on to the next job. I'm, I'm sort of like a military working dog in, in that sense, but we all have that inside of us. How do you deal in those leadership positions with, Knowing where that line is, like, where is that line that you're like, okay, I got to know, you know, is that a time thing? Is it an input thing? Is it, you know, a feeling that you've developed over this time? How do you deal with that line of, okay, this is, it's time for me to delegate this to somebody else?
1: Yeah. uh, You know, it burned me in the butt in the beginning, because just like you said, if the problem came across my, my, my uh, bore sight, I wanted to shoot at it. So I, you hear leaders say all the time, I have an open door policy and that's, I agree with that. I, I, I started with that door was open. Come on in. I want you to, I want to be accessible. I want to be approachable or else I might miss something, you know? So airmen would come into my office and they would present a problem and I'm like, their problem is now my problem. That's how I started right. out. And I still yeah. feel that that's our natural tendency. I'm going to go fix that. And quite almost never did someone bring me a problem I couldn't get fixed. Maybe I didn't fix it, but maybe I'm like, let me go find the answer. Let me go detective this out. And then I found a person who can help and we, we get it taken care of. But what happens with that is all that bandwidth that you might that might be better served dealing with a larger strategic problem for whatever level you're at is eaten into by issues that could be solved by a frontline supervisor supervisor and should be solved by like a frontline supervisor or, or, um, CGO or something like that. So what I had to train myself to do, cause just like you said, if I'm walking by and I see an empty water bottle, I'm going to pick it up and go throw it away in a trash can. Um, I still do that, but when they, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I, I don't
0: see you walking careful. by a bo- if water bottle. Yeah. Careful. <laughs> now, you better
2: not start tar- talking about shopping carts. If there's shopping <laughs> carts in the, in the Smith's parking lot and they're not put away. Yeah. I got a, I got an Instagram account for you, chief. You're about to get blown up.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I put, I am that guy that goes, collects like eight peoples shopping carts and puts them away. Um, You're safe from cartonards before... today. Mark safe. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I think I heard about that. Yeah, That's yeah. hilarious. Oh, That's, Cartnarks is later. our
2: favorite. Shout out to Cartnarks. I'm positive they <laughs> listen to the podcast like the tens of other people that do. So I just want to say hi, guys. I'm a, I'll put it out later. Like this would be a good. They're good my heroes. Marker. They are my heroes. Those guys are just yeah. absolute savages. Fantastic.
1: Um, but what I've started to say is I don't have an open door policy. I have a screen door policy. And what I mean by that is you can see through the screen. You can talk through the screen. I can I can let the problems through the screen that need to get through the screen. Um, so I had to try I have to train myself on this is what I call it, is I, let's get to. Yes. You might come into my door with your problem and I will go, well, I will find a pathway for your problem. It might be me fixing it. It might be me getting with the wing staff to fix it, or it might be me getting with peaches or you to tell you about the problem so you can go get it fixed. Um, or maybe it, maybe it's something like, you know, s- starting a, a team within the wing to figure it out, depending on what the problem is. But I had to learn that I cannot, our natural tendency is this, yep, give me that. Oh, you brought that to me. That, therefore it needs to be solved and I shall solve it. <laughs> and oh, yeah. um, it, it might not need your direct <laughs> solving. You also might not be the best one to solve it.
0: No, that's often the case with me.
1: <laughs>
2: like that. <laughs> and, <Boy. laughs> and always um, the case with me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes
1: I, not I, the I've case with about, What I've learned about leadership being being a leader in a leader role, um, you're kind of a clearinghouse. you that's kind of how I look at it. You're a clearinghouse for problems. You want to be accessible so people will bring them to you, but then you're the you're the clearinghouse. You're like, oh, let's Let's bend these problems where they can get fixed and and then and then it's on you, of course, to keep the fire lit under uh, the appropriate fire lit under them, yeah, well, talking about
0: keeping that you know fire lit and, and binning uh i and i I know I'm gonna mess up the saying, but I'm pretty sure it goes um as as the fifty seventh wing goes, as does the air Force, if I didn't mess it's, that up. Uh,
1: as goes Nellis, so goes the Air Force. Okay, there we go. All wow, right. yeah. I knew I was gonna so mess close. it up.
0: Man, I had you one did shot. Great.
2: I got spaghetti <laughs> I did. on my and sweater. So if you had you one go. shot, would you let it slip? I think yeah. you would,
0: Peter. I did. I did let it slip. <laughs> so um Nellis is, you know, leading the charge for the Air Force. Um and I think the rest of the Air Force understands that just based off the amount of visits that we get from, you know, um, CSAF Brown, SimSAF Bass. Uh, the Secretary of the Air Force, you know, like there's a lot of senior leadership that come to Nellis just to stay engaged and see what we're doing um, and and almost provide vector checks as well. So like, what is the 57th role as you see it, or even Nellis's role as you see it in the Air Force?
1: Yeah, you know what? The boss just redid the uh, the mission statement. So I'll just read it to you because it kind of, it's one of the few mission statements where... It actually just says what the mission is: uh, train the next generation of warfighters for the high-end fight. And that is that literally sums up what 57th Wing does. If if you can conceive of the advanced level training for whatever the thing in the Air Force is, that it happens at Nellis within the 57th Wing, and then of course Nellis is a much larger beast because it consists of so many entities, like the Air Base Wing, which runs the base, the the daily you know logistical running of the base which is enormous yes. and immense 99 Air Base wing does all that and then you have a few other uh, entities on there that are all part of the team like the uh, the nctr the nellis test and training range which is a massive range so it has its own wing level entity that runs it um and then you've got a reserve wing on our base that helps with the mission um and then of course you have the 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 numbered Air Force equivalent of the Warfare Center, which owns everything that happens at Nellis as well as other wings across the country that have to do with high end training. And that's really the focus. It's the focus on if it has, if it's creating weapons officers, if it's learning how to fight better against China or Russia or any of those, those high end threats, it's happening at Nellis. Um, if it's some sort of tactic, that was developed. It was developed at Nellis. If it's weapons testing, it probably happened at Nellis or at least a part of it did. Um, so, yeah, they preparing America's uh, Air Force war fighters for the high end fight is really what what Nellis is, what the 57th wing is all about, especially. Yeah.
0: And, and it's awesome to see all the different I mean, like. I don't know that folks, folks that are on Nellis or have been to Nellis uh, understand this and realize this, but like for those that are coming in, you know, our demographic is 15 to 35, if you will, that are not in the Air Force. Um, Like you have damn near everything at Nellis. Um, You know, you have some some um, mission design series or MDS different kind of platforms that are at other bases, just cause we don't necessarily have the infrastructure. I mean, like Nellis is huge, but we're still limited on space. So we can't keep every oh, yeah. asset here, but I mean, you know, when we talk about the high-end fight, we're talking about fifth generation and all of that is here and, mm-hmm. and they are, well, they are working, they are working hard, um, on the Nellis test and training range and then, you know, um, other ranges that exist around here. I won't name them off because it's a long list, but um, you know, we're getting after that future fight, that pacing fight. um, And essentially leading the air force, at least in my point of view, at least in from a weapon school perspective.
1: Yeah. I would say that we absolutely lead the air force, especially from the large, high-end fight engagement aspect. Um, we dabble in everything, but that's where we focus. And then the integration, obviously, Peaches, you you are highly involved in that piece. That's probably the biggest piece, the integration of all those platforms you mentioned and how they fight in the high-end fight together. Um, and we do it on a daily basis and it does not stop. It does no. not stop at Nellis.
2: Yeah, just as being a, a 58th alum, so I spent you know an assignment out at at And That was one of the things that when I left, I had a distinctly different you know picture of it. You you know when I got there, I was a young PJ. We were out on Area Two and kind of away from everybody else. One being back there recently and seeing how many things have just exploded, just in you know real, um, you know real estate, just in places that we you know inhabit and we work in, and you know we have our own tests we haven't even touched on. You know the 88th test that actually tests equipment that we use in the field on the ground and how to integrate that into the bigger fight. And you know, now I, I, I've always had good things to say. And it's Vegas, baby. You know what I mean? Right, like yeah. it's not bad. It's not bad living yeah. in Vegas and coming to work at one of the premier bases uh, in the Air Force. So
1: yeah, it, it doesn't hurt that you can stand on the runway or in the flight line and just like look south, and
2: the strip looks like it's ten feet away. Gorgeous. Gorgeous! That's awesome. Take it off out of that runway was always the best. Uh, you you already <laughs> kind of mentioned it, Chief, but I want to talk about another thing that you've been heavily involved in, and, and that's the AFA. So mm-hmm. you know, you just talked about getting back. There was there was a big event. I'm going to let you go into it because I think you know there's a lot of value in the AFA, and again, it's it's taken a big organization and trying to become an intimate feel and trying to have that connectedness yeah. that you've been talking about. So it totally makes sense that you'd be involved in the AFA. Why don't you tell us about it? Uh, yes, we just wrapped up the. 2022
1: uh, fall AFA convention this past this week um, it was a record-breaking attendance which is good that means that the uh, the word is getting out there and for those of the people listening who don't know who are, are not active duty AFA basically the only two organizations that exist in the Air Force that lobby for Air Force interests to Congress are the Air Force Association now called the Air Force Space and Cyber Association. And then uh, the Air Force Sergeants Association. So, if you're an Air Force member, I highly encourage you to join those two organizations because your membership directly impacts the level of weight weight we carry on on Capitol Hill when we lobby lobby for you know things like tuition assistance or uh, all all the things that just were announced this week that the the Department of Defense is trying to implement that Congress has to end up ultimately paying for. But uh, that association, it, it's a professional development association. It's a lobbying association, um, and it promotes Air Force initiatives and Air Force uh, where that convention is a, is a way for everyone to gather and work on those issues and get the latest update on, on where the Air Force is going because, you know, Chief of Staff speaks, the Secretary of Air Force speaks, Sim staff speaks, uh, all your – Every four star in the Air Force is in one of the briefings or more uh, telling us updates on where global strike is going. uh, What's the status of the B-21 project? What's next for NGAD? All those kinds of things, obviously, to an unclassified level. But the biggest the biggest advantage to those conventions is the networking piece. You go there and you. You see old friends and you get to reconnect with them. You make new friends. You get to meet with top partners in industry, which um, I can't tell you how many times that's helped in the Aspect War community, uh, linking up with in- industry to help create a new pathway for radios we were using or kit that we have developed. In fact, I just I just met another guy that I I, I think Peaches saw an email where I was making an introduction between another yep. um uh, the tactical kit developer and the weapons school because he had something very interesting. So, those are all kinds of things that happened there. Um, and it just it's just broadening, broadening that network all the way. And at, a, at AFA, it's to the top tippy top level, it's a place where A1C Smith can no kidding meet face to face the CSAF, the SIMSAF, the SECAP, the SEAC. Old Colin Lopez just oh, dropped down by photo bombed us while we were taking a group photo. Yeah. yeah. But, He's um,
2: squirrely got a pin down squirrely. To see he is. <laughs> he
1: is squirrely. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it's, it's probably, if, if you're going to join a professional organization in the air force, if you're only going to join one. I would recommend AFA.
0: Yeah. I, I've, I've been to one um, in terms of the conference. I, I'll try and attend with you next, next year, but yeah, um, It was pretty cool because, like, the for example, the Sdap thing, right? That was that was brought up. That was a very hot topic. I mean, you told me. I got the text from you uh, with all the aspect war, you know, folks on it. It was just a simple text, like, "Hey, Sdap's not coming for uh, not coming. It's it's that cut is not happening for anybody. You know, share it." And I mean, that mm-hmm. level of communication was fantastic. And then, you know, a couple hours later is when I see the, the news article, that SECF announced that yeah. AFA and that kind of stuff. But it, what I found very interesting is the being there. And you're right. You see, you've got A1Cs all the way up to four-star generals and stuff like that. But like everybody's there to receive a message, you know, to, to mingle, network and receive a message and be able to talk to senior leaders and and those senior leaders being able to talk to some of the the junior enlisted airmen and and kind of carry a message forward and see you know almost get their their finger on the pulse of what's actually going on to some degree because how much are you really going to be able to do that at a conference as opposed to visiting a unit but um i mean i i enjoyed it when i went and i'm i'm looking forward to going again
1: yeah, you're right. It, it's a it's a great place to get touch points. You're not going to get deep in the weeds. You got three days. There's a thousand people there. You know, there's I think there think the attendance was I don't know. It was through the roof. It was elbow to elbow. But um in fact, there was somebody who saw a post I made and said, hey, I'm here, too. We need to find each other. We never found each other. <laughs> like, <'cause>, yeah, <laughs> we tried. And we never found each other because you could get lost, lost in the in the. But that was so that's a good point. Like, um, it was an ALO, uh, an, F, an F-15 Strike Eagle pilot, that was my ALO 17 years ago in Fort Drum, New York, Jeez. that that saw me, found me on, you know, uh, or didn't see me, saw me, a post in Facebook, um, reached out to me through LinkedIn, and who I hadn't talked to forever, and, and you know, because we weren't even linked on LinkedIn, but did the request, and I I'm here, I'm there and you know it's been 17 years we caught up over LinkedIn but we couldn't we never could meet up at the conference. But yeah that that's the kind of stuff you can run into our first sergeant from when we were you know students at the weapons school or somebody who was an alo and a captain back in you know 17 years ago now is a colonel and a wing commander.
0: Did yeah. as they're bringing up some of these initiatives was uh, agile combat employment brought up at all?
1: It absolutely was. There was actually an entire brief. There was actually a very good brief um, that was there was a brief on agile combat employment. And then there was another one on multi-capable airmen. The multi-capable airmen one was kind of run by the MAGCOM command chiefs and their perspective, especially the PACAF uh, MAGCOM command chief giving and also the USAFE because they were giving the lessons on Basically, in the Ukraine, how they're how the Ukrainians are basically doing what we what we are talking about with agile combat employment on a small scale and multi multi capable airmen because PACAF is really focused on multi capable airmen and 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 agile combat employment. So they um, they gave us a good brief. The doctrine's out. Um, There's an there's a a DAF a daft man out there um, with the doctrine of agile combat employment i i actually uh, one of my goals is to try to digest that into chunks to give out to the airmen to get the salient points that they, they would care about out of that so that's something on my to-do list but um basically it seems like we're on track with ramping up lead wing and all that and all that kind of stuff for agile combat employment. And the doctrine behind multi-capable airmen, and what is also becoming apparent is, uh, like China's worried about it. They're, um, in fact, they're they're trying, they're trying their own version. They're trying to come up with their own version of it. And as you would expect, it's not going so well, and it probably won't go so well. And that's because of the way they're structured. We talked about mission type orders. Um, where we give, you know, the commander gives mission type orders, but we're trained and empowered to go do. So when, in the absence of any other guidance, we continue attack. with mission, right? In the attack, absence of any other guidance,
2: with- Yeah, exactly. And that was, you, you know, I, I love hearing the words of history ring through your mouth. There were a bunch of quotes that we took out of world war two as you know, Americans do so well uh, without a plan because it seems like they don't have any plans going in. There's no way to predict what they do. But, you know, that flexibility, you know, in the absence of orders, we attack. In the absence of orders, yeah. we look around and we go, hey, this place sucks. I want to go over to that place. Yeah. Like, we're going to go do this. You don't call back home. You don't wait for orders. You are you know, an E-5 makes that call um, in the Air Force. And I no, know that they're. go ahead. Chief. None
1: of our adversaries have that advantage where they empower their enlisted corps to perform like that. And we, just like you said, we're (laughs) empowered to do that. So there, when you, when you don't do that, you get what you see in the Ukraine, you get convoys that stop on the road and they're just waiting. You get 16 general officers killed in combat because they have to go to the front lines to make anything happen because nobody can do anything. Yeah. So, um, 100%, um,
2: the people that look at Russia and Ukraine and say it's a logistics problem, don't understand tactics at all like that yeah, that is an absolutely- what that is, is that's an nco problem is what they got they don't mm-hmm. have a logistics problem they got an nco problem and they they still yeah. you know could never and i know there's a joke somewhere in here about you know the chinese trying to copy what we're doing but it's not as good like the chinese knock i don't know how close <laughs> i am to getting canceled um but what i don't <laughs> what want to do is i don't it? want to file... Yeah, we're going to work on it. Tell you what, we're going to use our canceled episode to talk about something that you've got working, which is you guys are, you, you were talking earlier about coming up with your own podcast to get this stuff out yeah. there. And we know, I'm going to put this plug out here right now. Policy travels at the speed of social media. If you are not releasing things on social media to get ahead of it, if we're, I think we've learned that lesson over the last two years. I think we've seen enough times where senior leaders are like, well, I was waiting on this while well, a lie travels around the world two times before the truth gets out the gate. And we need to be yep. on podcasts and getting that stuff out. So, what's up with what's up with that, Chief? Well, are you trying to get in this podcast game? Are you trying to be a competitor? Or what's up? <laughs> Let me just ask you. I wouldn't direct, say I but... try to
1: be a, com- a competitor. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I'll be starting up a podcast for the 57th Wing. That will the goal is that it sustains beyond my term as a, the wing chief. And the idea I, I've decided on a calling it on target with the bullseye chiefs since bullseye target
2: great our, branding. Our no, shit. we get it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Trust <laughs> me. We get
1: it. Um, no, that's and the whole idea behind the podcast would be keep it, keep it not 57th wing focused to the point where we're only talking about 57th wing stuff, but stuff applicable and interesting to the 57th wing, you know, population, whether that's no kidding. What's going on on Nellis. Let's talk about this thing that's going on on Nellis. Um, let's talk about airmen's life in the dorms on Nellis and, but also what's going on in the air force, what's going on with leadership. That's what, you know, similar to what you guys are doing. Um, and that's the goal is to maybe a little bit of passing information because I also pass information through a lot of other venues, but more of a way to connect and get people to get other people's perspectives. And maybe get them, you know, prod them to ask questions and think about things.
0: Oh, and uh, so you got the on target. Um, actually, let me make sure I got that right. On target with the Bullseye Chief. That's still going to be the mm-hmm. podcast. What's your your Instagram right now?
1: My Instagram oh, yeah, is going to change as well. No, that's, it says 57th Wing Chief, and in parentheses, it says Bullseye Chief. Same for the Facebook.
0: Cool. All right. Yep. And, I, you know, I was just checking it out just so I could make sure that it, um, uh, that I had the name right in case I needed to, to read it off, but yeah, you're, you're already <laughs> posting, you're already getting there and, and the follower count is, is raising up. So we'll do what we can to help with that. Um, I had mentioned earlier about the demographic that we have and, and I'm, I'm going to kick it over to you because for, for shooter's choice on this one, um, whether it would be advice. Cause we, t- we try and wrap these things up with like, Hey, what's your advice to the people coming in? But, um, due to your unique position and, and where you're at, maybe you're actually talking to the force. So do you want to kind of give advice to people that are looking to join or advice to airmen and NCOs that are already in or hell, why not both? I, shooter's choice on this one.
1: Yeah. Um, Maybe less of advice and more of a perspective. I remember being a young airman coming in. I was very focused on my singular purpose and my almost narcissistic pathway in life. Um, I had it figured out and I had no doubts in my mind. I wanted to go do this and that's, that's what I did. And I, and I never, never looked and looked back. But what I didn't do, I did not have a wide aperture. I had a very narrow aperture. I could have benefited from a lot of perspective. Um, maybe there would have been less frustration in my life. So I guess one of the things I try to do, and I would offer to those who might be thinking about coming in who, who haven't joined yet, and those who have recently joined, um, There is. this is coming from the opinion of someone who has 25 years in. There is nothing more important or impactful That you can do with your life than serve in the united states military that might that might sound like an extremely biased opinion and it is a little bit but here's here's what i here's what i offer when it comes to that Um, nowhere can you directly contribute to the changing of a course of history of a nation or the protecting of this experiment that we have called democracy which the u.s leads i mean we're the We were the first country to swear an oath of allegiance to a document that that offered us freedom and our rights to every person in this country um, equally. The paper always did that. The country didn't necessarily do that in the beginning and it's taken growth and time to to bring that to fruition. It will always be a work in process, but the paper, the document, it always did that. Um, We don't swear, we don't raise our hand and, and, and give an oath to a human like a dictatorship does we don't we don't vote in an election that's actually a fraud and keep somebody in power for two decades like russia Uh, we don't swear an oath to a monarchy or even a government we swear an oath to that document that was drawn up and we're the first ones. this country was the first ones to do that when you when you think about what you can as a high school graduate 18 years old contribute to and impact in the world very very few opportunities offer that outside the military so when you're thinking about getting out those are all good decisions you know maybe you put your time in and you've got you've got other opportunities you got to think about stuff for your family or other interests you have completely totally valid but If you're on the fence with it or you're on the fence with joining, I give you my word that it's not a wasted life in the, in the military. You will not look back, even if you had a terrible time, (laughs) if it was really, really hard and you didn't like it and it was a lot of sacrifice, which all of those things will happen. You can turn around and look back and know that even if you got one jet in the air, even if you got one airman to finish training, that one airman could be the next SIMSAF, CSAF, ACE pilot, whatever, you have made an an impact bigger than you ever could almost anywhere else, in my opinion.
0: Nope. I, I agree. Reach. Um I mean, you know, uh, kudos to the folks that have you know, joined and separated, and I, I like I support the hell out of those folks, and I would do like for for those. You know, we've got uh, a friend of Aaron and I. He is a major, and he's separating. He's a special tactics officer, and he's just a phenomenal human being. And like, just being a friend, I like I will do anything I possibly could to help him out. And oh, yeah. hey, thanks, thanks for doing for what you're doing. Like, too. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. And, and it's not and, conditional. No. Right. And it yeah, it's not like you have to be in for, to get my support. Like that's not how it is at all. Thanks for serving. Really appreciate it. You've done some amazing things like, Hey, best of luck. Um, same if you've done 30 years, like right on, but, um, the ability to travel, the, the quality of people that you meet, the experiences that you get to have both good and bad, Right. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes the bad ones are more important because they will actually bring you closer together, especially when we start talking about that transactional kind of communications and transactional relationships. Like a lot of times I I think that is why, you know, all three of us, you know, have this aspect war background, um, Mm -hmm. that have. All three of us have been through some very difficult times in, in training, whether it's, you know, INDOC, the TACP pipeline, ANS, like whatever, or even combat, like those, you know, sucky times, those bad times will help like bind you even closer together than you would have ever thought. Even Even if it's somebody who maybe you don't even necessarily like, this person isn't really my jam, but we got in a firefight together. And yep. so like that's that's my dude now.
2: Like yep. yeah,
0: you know, you better I, not talk disparaging about I, him.
2: Yeah. yeah, I'm definitely going yeah. to talk disparaging to about him. Uh <laughs> I I I tell this story frequently, but I, I had a friend that, you know, our friendship was exactly that. You know, we looked at each other and we're like, you know, I would never hang out with you. I, I would never go have a beer with you afterwards. We are, you know, we are just that far at the end of the spectrum that we that you know, we just don't do it. But I'll tell you what, I got so much love in my heart for that guy. Like I would never, I would never let you talk badly about that guy, whether he was there or not. I would never to his face, you know, I think one time he even said, you know, Aaron, we don't have to get along. We're just here to get it on. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) yeah, there's there's truth to be had in that. But those are the 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 type of bonds that you that you develop. And I'll tell a quick anecdote. We had a, a young combat controller that just got out. And, you know, he's been out for a couple months now and, you know, he's living that life and, you know, he's things you know, inside aspect war, they're really turbulent right now. And I, I don't know where we're going. I'm, I'm just going to get out. And I'm going to do my civilian thing. He's starting the process to come back in. Uh, and it's not that uh-huh. he misses the guys. He misses that impact that you're talking about, chief. Nowhere else in the world can you raise your right hand to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The only place that you can go and have an immediate impact for that end state to protect that constitution and our God-given inalienable rights, uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of freedom, all men are created equal. The silver frame around the golden apple, as you put it, there's only one place you can do that, and it's on this side of the fence. And it it might not be pretty all the time, and it might suck, and it takes a lot of sacrifice, but you hit the nail on the head. If you're looking to do something bigger, I got a place for you. Um, And it's not going to be easy, but man. I'm still motivated to do it, Chief. It's worth I, it. I can hear it in your voice. You still are. I am. I,
1: I do. It, it keeps me going every day. I do love it. That's awesome.
0: Well, Kraken, Unless you got any parting shots, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, appreciate you joining us.
1: Uh, yeah. The only thing I, the only thing I'd like to say is, um, I want to give a big shout out to, to you guys for having a venue, Aaron and Peaches like this. Um, it does. It help. Anything we can do to help spread the word, and especially. What you notice, what I notice on social media is there. I don't know if it's just a natural gravitation towards a lot of, or or if it's just human nature to highlight the negative. Uh, but what you see, you see that get a, a lot more attention is like catchy negative headlines, and then all the negative trolling that goes beneath it with all the comments and stuff. But venues like this, where people can actually, you know, listen to ground truth data and 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 connect with with people that care i appreciate you doing this and then i also want to say thank you to all people serving in all of our nation's branches uh doing literally miracles on a daily basis basis. literally Uh, when you get down in the weeds and see what human beings do for their job and whether it's you know a pj tech pcct type or a maintainer on the flight line or the the dude working on a on a boat, or you know, the people in the DFAC they're they're doing miracles. They're feeding thousands. They're they're hundreds of jets getting in the air and not crashing. I mean, it's just a miracle. And so you yeah. you can just look at what Russia cannot do when they're trying to do their most high end fight they've ever done in in decades, and we do that every day without fail, like it's just normal business right yeah um so i want to give a shout out to all of those and anybody in the future who joins uh it, it is really it's breathtaking to see what our airmen pull off on a daily basis
0: and on that uh that's it i appreciate you guys joining us i can't <laughs> follow that up come on yeah, that's the one. Like, what, what am i gonna say
2: <laughs> <laughs> thanks for coming well, on chief. command
0: chief appreciate you joining us and and i i didn't highlight it at the beginning but the reason why uh we've been calling him kraken is because that's his call sign so yeah. for everybody that's out there like what's this kraken thing so yeah yeah kraken is command chief schaefer's call sign so that's where yeah. we go with that
2: there you go. thanks you guys to the end to get that one that's good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right everybody have a good one later later, later. late train hard